Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to Indaba Africa. This is Chris coming to you from central Pennsylvania. Saubona, South Africa. Dumela Botswana. Hey, what's the hili jang? Yeah, sente. So good to see folks around the world jumping in the chat. Uh, we've got folks once again, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, Wales, Ireland, the United Kingdom, Canada. Oh, Canada. Namibia, Ghana, Nigeria, Botswana, and of course, South Africa. Dog, South Africa. Good to see folks there. Uh, let's see. You asked for it. I told you the old commercial here in the United States, Toyota, you asked for it. You got it. Folks have been, I don't want to say pestering, but boy, they've been asking me for weeks and weeks and weeks. Chris and Big Daddy Liberty have got to get on the same stream. Get, get him on his channel. Got to get him on your channel. Ladies and gentlemen, you asked for it. Here it is. And I bring him on now. Big Daddy Liberty, as usual, sitting in a car somewhere in a nondescript location. And there he is on the screen. Welcome. Good to see you. <laughs> hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Listen, I mean, this is you and I both know people have been um, hitting us up on our channels over and over and over again. When are you two guys going to get talking? So here we are. So let's talk. <laughs> Absolutely. Good to be here. And again, shout out to all the Chris White fans out there who have literally been dropping the comments on my page and the like. So I'm very happy to be here. No, it's great. And actually, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, they kept telling me on my channel, you got to get on this channel. I'm like, listen, I, I can't reach the guy. He's literally like selling his house and running around the country. And <laughs> he's like the least available guy in South Africa. I mean, you know, the most available guy, would, of course, would be Cyril Ramaphosa because he has nothing to do except, <laughs> except take except take orders from Nkosezani Dalimizuma. But uh, <laughs> pretty much I, I have a long standing joke. Um on the BDL show that, um, you know, Nkosa Zamagamini Zuma, who's the minister for cooperative governance, basically just one of the ministers, is, I, I like to call her Buffalo Bill, after the character, of course, from Silence of the Lambs, where Ooh. she literally has Cyril Ramaphosa in a hole in, a, in, 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 her, in her basement. Um, and she often lets him out every now and then when he puts sanitizer on its skin. Um, so... <laughs> It's a bit of a running joke. It, it's getting silly, but um, it's true, though, you know, in so far as the power she wields over the president of the country, you'd literally think um, she, she's some form of serial killer um, because she's definitely killing the South African economy. That's definitely why I'm calling her Buffalo Bill. Now, it's hilarious, actually. And as Silence of Lambs, I just rewatched that movie and it's just just as creepy as it was back in the 90s when it came out. Hey, so before we get oh, any further, Kyle just gave a super chat of 35 Rand. And on my super chats, you can't see it, man, but but I have a zombie and I have the Mahalisberg in the background. That's a picture from the motorway oh, that wow. I took. And so the zombie actually is in a position where he's climbing up the Mahalisberg. It's pretty cool. So That's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. So Kyle says, hey, Chris, finally, you have Big Daddy Liberty on. Indeed, here he is. So thanks for the super chat. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so in Kozizani Dalini Mizuma, don't get me started on that one. I've, I've been railing on her yeah. since she was the chairperson of the African Union Commission because I was there then. And do you want to know who the least popular person in all of Ethiopia was? In Kozizani Dalini Mizuma. Oh. No surprises there. Um, no surprises at all. Again, it comes down to, uh, you know, Again, th this is the plight of, I suppose, all African countries to a large extent. We, we create societies which are far too, um, far too large in terms of the size of governments. And because of that, it opens up the door to... Um, uh, sorry, I got trapped by my own sentence construction. Then. Let me rephrase that. The African case 
has been that since post-independence, most of these um, post-independence African countries have sadly embarked on the ideas of broadly the left, um, specifically massive statist uh, governments um, led by politicians who embrace socialism and not free market ideals um, as, as the course of action. So what do we see from that? We see, of course, the growth in the size of the government, the growth of the influence um, of, of government on people's lives to the extent where politicians become much more important in African societies than individuals. And really, I talk a lot about as uh, of individuals. as I talk a lot about that as a classical liberal, but really, we're a family society. And insofar as we have individuals, as the most important uh, center of politics, it's, we, we do what we do as individuals for the benefit of family. But that becomes disrupted in a lot of African societies where politicians um, see themselves as the center of all politics, the center of all social life, and of course, the center of all economic life and society. So that when I circle back to us having a conversation about someone like Nkosa Zanagamini Zuma, this is the kind of politician, uh, like most ANC politicians, ANC being the, the party that runs this country or runs the government, rather, of this country. A lot of its politicians see themselves as being the most important or the center of South African society because of that ideology of, you know, the state first and really socialism underpinning that that um, that, 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 that that crusade that they're on. So, yeah, man, the, 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 the ideas, as I always say on my channel, ideas matter. And it has been the idea ideas of the left that have destroyed Africa since essentially the first country gained independence on the continent. Well, it's interesting you should say that because um, there was a very good case of a country that went so far left socially, it fell apart. And of course, that was Guinea. And that was under. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, so Guinea went so far. But of course, that's because uh, its president gave France the thumb. Uh, but not without good reason. France set up a system that kind of made these these former colonies subservient. So Sekou Touré, I mean, uh, I get why he gave the thumb, um, but socialism wouldn't have been the answer. A mark, free market would have been better for him. But the other example that works really well is, of course, Tanzania. Tanzania. That's right. Julius Nyeri, uh, Mwalimu Nyeri, Mze Nyeri led the country on a socialization, collectivization path and was abject failure, destroyed the entire economy. People were hungry. They were starving. It fell off the charts. That's right. That's and then right. after 25 years, he woke up and realized that that was the wrong path. He changed his path and he warned people like Robert Mugabe, don't follow this path. Don't chase the whites out of your country. They're the technocrats. Let them stay in your country. Let them be part of society. We made that mistake and look what happened to us. And socialism doesn't That's work. Right. And, and guess what? They don't listen to him. He's revered in Tanzania, but he's revered because mm. he was the founder of the country, the father of the nation, not because he woke up to free market ideals. Yeah, and he didn't. You know, he these are these are individuals, and I hate to say this, um, but it's true. And that's the thing about you know what I do. I, I pursue truth over anything else, um, even if the truth is very uncomfortable. You know, African leaders, generally speaking, on the continent, have pursued a, a state centric. Um, to, to downright communist um, agenda. And it has been the ordinary African who suffered from that. Because imagine, if you will, transitioning from a society where you have no control over your own uh, destiny as an individual. You have no control over 
you know, the affairs and the the, uh, the welfare, rather, of your family under a colonial era to then transition into a post-colonial uh, independence era where uh, you would think that freedom came with exactly that, you know, social, political, and economic freedoms. Um, but you don't see that. Instead, you, you transition from one, um, you know, plantation master, if I can use that expression, sure. to another. Um and, and, you know, it's the effects of that have been that the African continent today remains one of the poorest on the continent, not because of a lack of resources or a lack of ingenuity, a lack of, you know, a lack of even... Um, you know, uh, 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 human resources. I mean, we, we're the youngest continent on the planet. Um, it's not because of those three things. What it is, is the lack of institutions, the lack of essentially free market ideals, and um, most importantly, the lack of uh, placing the individual and really families at the center of society's growth. So, yeah, man, unfortunately, countries like South Africa um, are no different to this. I mean, we may have an extended decline that we're, we're, we're undertaking right now. But the, but again, at the center of it, the reasoning behind it are the ideas, the ideas that lean on the side of the state, the ideas that lean on the side of socialism and communism. So it is a big part uh, problem, excuse me, um, that, you know, we, we're experiencing as a continent. And um, the sad part of, the, of it is, and this is my last gasp, mm -hmm. uh, just as a thought to throw out, um, is that these ideas are not just uh, re relegated to here in Africa. Yes, th their effects might be very pronounced here, but sadly, the world is leaning towards the left again, um, having forgotten the experiment of the 20th century, the abject failure of socialism and the body count of you know 20th century socialism. We're now seeing um, you know the societies around the world forgetting that past experience, once again embracing the ideas on the left, embracing the socialism in a repackaged way because if there's one thing a socialist can do really well um you know other than run a country into the into the ground is reinvent their bad ideas they are dangerous and wily in that regard they have a shameful ability to simply ignore facts too and just repeat a narrative until people fall for it too but let me get some comments in here really quickly a little bit of housekeeping a lot of folks here a lot of warm greetings for you because uh big daddy liberty can't see the chat because he's on his phone and um, and so, so I just want to share some of the stuff. A lot of really nice stuff sure. here. Um, Lazan is saying, "Cool beans, super excited for this one." Can't uh, can already feel the energy building. That was before we even started. Um, a lot of other folks in here. Room Fogger, Sean is on here. Um, Brian says, "Great, hey, Big Daddy Liberty, welcome." Uh, a lot of I, I can't get to all these folks. I just want to get some, and then I'm gonna get to a few points. Now, um, let's see. Uh, Bosch Zebra says, "Good day to yourself and your guest, Big Daddy Liberty. Looking forward to the stream." Well, I think we're all looking forward to it. I know I am. I think Big Daddy Liberty's looking forward to it because you guys have built this thing up like some massive, you know, gathering of the minds. <laughs> like, like Big Daddy Liberty and I are like the geniuses of political science, and so we got to deliver now. So, but speaking of delivering, let me let me. Here's a comment. UCN, who I think is in Hong Kong because he's done some super chats, and they were Hong Kong dollars, which surprised me. I thought that they probably cut the links in Hong Kong. The Chinese trying to take over, but but seriously, Amen. Um, he says. Two things, and then I'll give a response someone else said. Uh, UCN says, it isn't a question of left or right. The failure of African states is deeply embedded in their formation. And I'll take issue with that, and I'll give you a chance to take issue or agree with it. And then uh, he says after that, for example, former colonial entities were constructed to fail. I take issue with that. For instance, Nigeria and Congo. These states are completely unworkable. I take issue with that. So let me give my answers, and I'll give you a chance. Uh, and then Brian, sure. Brian says, you're so right. So first off, it isn't a question of left or right. The failure of African states is deeply embedded in their formation. I disagree. 
We've got plenty That's of states true. that are not leftist states in Africa that are great successes. Cape, yeah. Cape Verde, Botswana, Mauritius, Rwanda. Now, Rwanda has issues about governance because Kagame just doesn't know when to leave the stage. But but that That's does right. it's not a leftist state. So there's plenty of states. Senegal is not a leftist state. Very successful That's country. Right. Ghana has become quite a successful country. It's had coups in the past, but it's not a leftist state. So it, it is a question of left or right. It's a question of ideas. It's not deeply embedded in their formation. What you imply by that, and then you That's later right. state UCM when you talk about Nigerian Congo, is that the colonial masters set up the African states so they would fail. No. They set them up as colonies to send goods or in, in natural resources to the metropolitan and then send their finished goods back. And they reached out and claimed it as quickly as they could before the Berlin Conference and especially after the Berlin Conference. That's why they reformed the way they were. Not designed to fail. And when they were given freedom or they got their independence, some states had no option but to fail. For instance, Congo had like three university graduates. There's no way that state's going to succeed. That's the Belgians' fault. That's it's King Leopold's fault. And the kings came after him, absolutely. But that doesn't mean Africa was set up for failure. That's, that's nonsense. I disagree with it. And these states are workable. Nigeria actually works. People think Nigeria doesn't work, don't know what they're talking about. Lagos, while it's had problems, is quite an amazing metropolitan area with over 20 million That's residents. Right. And it has very nice neighborhoods and not just wealthy neighborhoods. Also has low-income neighborhoods that are pretty good. It does have challenges. These states can work. It's a question of politicians working to meet the needs and desires of the entire polity, not just 18 or 20% of the population. Over to you, Big Daddy Liberty. What do you think of those comments? No, you're spot on. Um, that, that is an apt description of exactly um, what holds the continent back. It has nothing to do, um, you know, with, with the former colonial masters having set up the continent to fail. Of course not. If, if you literally set up shop in a colony, you are fully, in, uh, uh, what's the word? You're fully invested, rather, in ensuring that that, that colony works for you. Um, and of course, to varying degrees across the continent, the former colonial masters built infrastructure, um, obviously to, for the benefit of colonial um, uh, uh, powers, sorry, um, and not necessarily for the, the benefit of the local population, but it was from that that the post-independence nations were able to build off of that to a large extent. Um, and again, I must add a provisio to certain varying degrees. I mean, there are some colonies where very little in the way of social infrastructure was built. And, you know, um, in fairness, they, they had to almost start from scratch. Um, but by and large, if we had seen post-independence African countries set up three things. Number one, strong, institu strong institutions and not strong man politics. Um, you would have seen a massive difference in the quality of life of most Africans. Why? Because strong institutions matter. They are what um, help foster, for instance, a society based on the rule of law, property rights and the protection of the individual in a society. So that's the first one. Number two, a market economy and not a statist or socialist economy. What is a market economy? The idea that it is the individual, each pursuing their own separate interests, um, combining in a marketplace, if you will, through what uh, Frederick Hayek called spontaneous order, that is what creates the wealth in a society. Um, it isn't some centrally planned, um, uh, you know, um, a government economy or com command economy, which is what the African continent, by and large, has seen and has been at the folly of African nations. So that Chris's assessment is spot on then. It is those societies that have leaned more on the side of a free market economy that are doing fantastically well. Mauritius being a good example, our neighbors to the north, Botswana being a very apt example. And there's been those societies that have departed from that, that have departed from having a free market economy 
economy that have gone instead of a uh, politician or um, government-controlled economy, what's called a central centralized uh, command economy, that have seen the greatest misery. Um, and I can go down the line in terms of the number of African countries that have failed because of that. And of course, the last one is the protection of the, the family, really the, the recognition, number one, of the individual. In other words, an individual's right to life, liberty and property. And of course, the family unit as being the most important organizing unit um, in a society. Those three things make for a fantastically uh, fabulous society, a wealthy property earning society society. Let me be precise and specific, maybe as a final cast. Um, because a lot of people say, oh, no, but, you know, it's resources that make a country rich and blah, blah, blah. It's not. As I said, it's those three things that I mentioned. Strong institutions, not strongman politics, um, a, a market economy, and, of course, the protection of individual rights and the family, really. Why? Because if you look at somewhere like Hong Kong, um, which is literally just a rock in the middle of an, a sea, uh, an ocean, there's, there's, there's nothing there. There are no, uh, in, in terms of natural resources, excuse me, there's nothing there. But what do they have? They have those three things. And they've built them up over the last 60, 80 years to become one of the richest parts of the planet. And they don't have the resources that some, somewhere like Africa does. So um, on the African case, therefore, in, as a, a summation, you need those three things if you're going to build a property-earning, free and prosperous society. And in the case of South Africa, a non-racial society, given the cultural and the racial differences that we have down here. Well, I think I'm going to steal that line that you've got there, um, the last gasp when you're ready to finish, because I like that. I'm going to use that because I'm <laughs> like you. I go a long time. But listen, this this is terrible, man. We, we can't do this because, I mean, listen, you're going to you're going to bring up Friedrich Hayek and I'm going to sit here and nod my head in total agreement. And, you know, we're going to this is like, OK, I, I, we're going to have to find something we disagree on, maybe. But um, we're going to get there at some point. But, um, <laughs> but this is this is this is like this is like a mutual admiration society. here. I love this stuff. This is. You know, Friedrich Hayek is, you know, The Road to Serfdom is a book that ought to be mandatory reading for anybody that's literate in every that's language right. they can read it, without a doubt. It, tell, right. it, tell, it, it sets it straightforward and puts it out. It's absolutely amazing. You know, um, it's uh, now I've lost the train of thought I was going. I had so many things. I, was, I know one thing I was going to say, you're talking about the ANC. So the ANC, um, if, if we're entirely fair with the ANC, I say they've achieved three successes, but over periods of time. Let me explain. So I would say that from 95 or 94 until, well, you know, the early part of the, the, the new century, they did a good job at delivering in some of the things they promised. Not on the timeline, because it was more complicated than thought, but they delivered RDP housing. They electrified a lot of homes. They bought sewage and water to a lot of places. So they did do that. So that's an achievement. Then uh, in the Zuma era, they became very effective at getting young South Africans to aspire to be gangsters in ANC cadre, rather than being plumbers, doctors, lawyers, dentists, pilots, soldiers, policemen, firemen, farmers. Because how is, what's the path to success? They follow the example of so many failed states in Africa in that the way that you become influential, powerful, and wealthy is not by private enterprise and your hard work, but by being connected to somebody in politics. And how do we see that? It plays out no clearer than KZN, in which we saw a rash of assassinations of ANC local councillors by who? Other ANC members. Why? Because they want that's that position right. so that they can get their fingers in those tenders. So that's the second success for the ANC, and that's a sad success. And the third success, I would say, is that since the ascension of Cyril Ramaphosa uh, into his position, Um Cyril has done an amazing job at racializing every single aspect of South African society. And it's really sad to see that. So there's the three successes for the ANC. <laughs> Two are really bad. Yeah. Look, I mean, I need to take you back because there's some missing gaps in the story you tell. Um, 
insofar as the ANC in in that first period you, you mentioned, right, of between 1995 and basically about 2005, to be honest, yep. if I were to give a data. You're absolutely right. Um, by and large, uh, there were great successes in the rollout of social services and specifically um, the allowing of the economy, the freedom for it to grow in order for the state to be able to tax it to afford the social services. That's the one thing the ANC actually did well. And it did that because by and large, uh, the person at the helm of the ANC then, a one Tabo Mbegi, uh, even under the Mandela regime, he was the second in charge, so to speak, um, was a, 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 to a large extent, to varying degrees, uh, a market fund, fundamentalist. He understood the power of the market. So that the, the sort of ANC he tried to create when he ascended to the helm of the ANC, this is Tabo Mbeki I'm talking about, mm-hmm. um, was a bit of a... Um, uh, it's kind of weird for me to describe it this way, but it's kind of true. It is almost like a Scandinavian-esque type ANC, where, yes, it did spend a lot on social services and a lot on welfare, but it recognized the value of a free economy to generate that income, to generate that wealth. So that in that period, two things fundamentally happened in the South African economy. Number one, the ANC was able to pay off apartheid debt um, almost with 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 glee. Um, Why? Because it allowed the market to generate that income to pay off those past debts. So it did that really, really well. The second thing it did well, and you've mentioned it, is that allowing the market to do what it does and for it to then tax, um, you know, it suddenly was able to spend on social welfare, spend on social housing, spend money on electrifying, providing water, blah, blah, blah. Not from borrowing that money necessarily from markets, but literally from money revenue. Um, that was accrued in the economy. And for a brief moment, for a, a, a what was a flash in the pan of South African post-democracy, uh, 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 the post-democracy timeline, South Africa was actually a very optimistic country. Mm-hmm. If you go back to a lot of the uh, polling that was done by my, 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 my sister organization, the Institute of Race Relations, you'll see it in the polling. You know, South Africans generally felt that the country was on the right track. Um, so, that, so that the formula... The formula does exist. The formula, the ANC does know. Um, and the other thing Mbeki did really well that allowed this formula that I talk about is he actually shut, he, he shut out to a large extent, um, the radical left in the ANC, the rabid sort of communist elements embodied by the South African Communist Party and, of course, the, the massive union movement, um, the Congress of South African Trade Unions. Mbeki was aggressive in basically relegating them into some quiet corner to say, shush, uh, you, you damn commies, let, let the adults do the work here. Um, and by and large, we saw that in the results. The problem came. The problem came in terms of the political analysis of that period when Mbeki and the lead, his, um, in what were his leadership flaws, he allowed that same left who he had relegated to the corner to exploit them, um, to gain support from the public in order to overthrow Mbeki in favor of a Jacob Zuma. Um, let me be precise and specific. Insofar as the, the flaws that I talk about, of course, if you remember back, Mbeki's AIDS denialism was a big cudgel that gave the left, um, both in the way of Kusatu and the Communist Party, um, a weapon to beat uh, uh, Tabu Mbeki with and basically p- posit him. <coughs> 
to basically posit Tabum Begi as being this big evil monster. Uh, of course, they they uh, the, the, the monster is based on the fact that you know they had their ass whooped by him um, on economic issues, but they basically used that cudgel, uh, rightly so to an extent, um, of his AIDS denialism to then introduce all sorts of other issues that had nothing to do with the AIDS to basically say, "Ha, you see, this guy is is is, is prime evil." Um, and in the process, when they looked around to find the next convenient edit um, to place into that position, uh, someone more amenable to their influence from a policy position, who did they find? A one Jacob Zuma, a man who was rightly described as never having heard an idea he didn't like. Um, and sure enough, and sure enough, they literally posited this guy, if you remember back the rhetoric back in that time, as, oh, the man of the people, they'll say. Uh, he understands poor people um, uh, to great aplomb, um, to the extent to a look at who his friends are. You know, he's friends with the sort of people who often appropriate the image of being pro-working class, pro-poor, i.e. Uh, the communists, and in this case, Kosatu. And that is how South Africa was sold the lie, that Jacob Zuma essentially is, uh, you know, the, the opposite of Tabumbeki. He's not this evil market fundamentalist, you know, this top hat wearing fur coat, grinding the face of the poor type capitalist. Um, he's this guy from rural KZN and he understands poor people. By God, look at where he lives. He lives in the middle of nowhere in Kanga, you know, so, so surely he understands poor people. And of course, we received a monster because of that. So um, these are the sort of issues um, you know that. that um, sorry, as, as a recap, I got a little distracted because I have uh, uh, friends around me. But um, but this is how we essentially found ourselves getting a Jacob Zuma, who then systematically began to not only dismantle the entire legacy of that Tabombeki ANC, the one of economic growth, lifting people out of um, poverty, creating opportunity for people. I mean, that, that Tabombeki ANC, if I can give you a few stats, just two or three, um, you know, the greatest economic period uh, of growth in South Africa since the 60s, you know, 5.5% year on year, fantastic yep. sort of growth for an African economy like ours. Um, for every one shack, for every one shanty, that was built in South Africa, 10 formal houses were built in South Africa in that period of time. The man added 10 million people to the workforce uh, in South Africa, dispelling the myth that the Kosatu, the trade union movement, and the commies were selling at the time that we had jobless growth. Absolute nonsense. Um, the man added 10 million jobs to the economy so that suddenly families and individuals were the ones who were in a position to say, we're okay. We're able to provide for ourselves. We're not the dependents of the state. And no matter what your view, and this will be my last gasp on this, no matter what your view is on social welfare, because um, that's another conversation on its own, but in that period of time, the ANC was able to expand social welfare, um, not off of, as I said, loans and debts, but off of actual revenue. It could, it could afford to do this. So the, the, the case is absolutely crystal clear in terms of the ANC. The ANC in its nature is, yes, a communist socialist organization, but the one period of time where its leader literally shut out and, and quietened those communist and the socialist leanings, um, we saw prosperity as a nation. And what brought about that prosperity? Strong institutions, a market economy, and the focus on the family. So we know that the ANC knows the formula, which makes it a greater indictment, therefore, today, that they literally abandoned that in order to pursue a, the communist um, uh, leftist ideology, which is called the National Democratic Revolution. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, comments, uh, a little bit of housekeeping at bottom of the hour, tell people what they're listening to, and then we'll, we'll get back. Okay, so um, so yesterday I was on uh, Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell, and, um, yeah, and Ronaldo Hose, uh, Ronaldo, excuse me, Hose popped on there. Yep. Yeah, and um, and he said uh, Chris could read the Lord of Rings trilogy in 30 minutes. Uh, so, anyway, uh, I, I was just going to say we're approaching. <laughs> listen, man, we're approaching 30 minutes in, not even 30 minutes in, and you and I have talked about so many topics and issues already, and so many tangents we can go on. So let me let me get a few points in here that uh, I want to mention for folks, and then sure. I'll, I'll do the bottom of the hour stuff. So we had. Um, uh, Hamon Roos gave a, a, a super chat, and we'll get back to his question after I, if I give you a chance to answer, and we'll start with you answer that first. But he wanted to know what your view on the cigarette ban is. I'm pretty sure I know what that is. But Herman gave a 14 rand super chat. We're going to get back to that, Herman. So thank you for that question, and thank you for the super chat. That 14 rand, I think that might buy me one third of a cigarette here in the U.S. <laughs> uh, and then Nigel had a question about the constitutional court uh, instructing the IEC to change the way an individual can now run as independent. I think that's a good question there, and I'm I'm not. I haven't fully formed my view on that one, so that's a good one we can talk about. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> UCN, and don't worry, I've got these saved here, so we, if we forget them, we get to it, we can get back to it. Uh, UCN says, <clears throat> Hong Kong is a population of 8 million people and operates as a gateway to China. The Brits built up Hong Kong as a free market trade post with great infrastructure. Hong Kong had a great start. Yes, it did, but Hong Kong didn't get a great start because it was a gateway to China. It's a gateway to China now. It was a gateway to Asia and it had free market, and it had a rule of law, and it had a functioning court system, and a functioning governance. That's right. And it had That's liberties right. and freedom of speech, and ideas could propagate freely from Chinese. And so it's a, it's a very different situation than being a gateway to China. That's what it's become now. All right, so uh, Hilome Jeffrey said Zuma equals SA Mafia family. I don't think we get much of an argument on that one. Um, and then um, another one, Nigel says, the biggest problem we have is that people do not understand our Constitution and allow politicians to dictate to us what to do and not stand against it. Well, Nigel, that's the problem I'm having on this side of the Atlantic because people don't get civics and in junior high school and they don't get American government in high school and they run around, this electoral college is outdated. No, it's the most brilliant institution ever and it ensures right. that our government is not oppressive despite its best efforts. That's There's right. lots of checks and balances. So now it's the bottom of the hour. So what I'm going to do real quick now is that, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Chris White Africa, the Indaba Africa channel here on YouTube. And I'm Chris White, retired U.S. Army Colonel, 36 years service, lots of tours in Africa, many, many things. We're not going to talk about that, but just to let you know what you're listening to. And by the way, Big Daddy, the reason I do that is I used to be in radio when I was at university, and the Federal Communications Commission requires that you announce your radio station, your call signs at the top of every hour. But as a habit, we get into doing it at the bottom of the hour to the top of the hour. So here we are at the bottom of the hour, 30 minutes in. You're listening to Chris White Africa. This is Big Daddy Liberty, my guest that many people have asked for, and many people have asked for, and I see more people coming to the stream right now. We'll get to your questions as best we can, but Big Daddy Liberty and I both are like oxygen thieves. We steal all the oxygen in the room, <laughs> so nobody else gets a chance to get in the conversation. This is why if, 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 if when I get over there, uh, we sit down, it'll be like a 24-hour filibuster. We're, we're just going to keep bringing the beer or keep bringing the, keep, you know, bring the meat off the bry, whatever, because we're never going to finish this conversation. <laughs> anyway, so um, let's get back to the questions here. At, um, let's talk. Do you want to comment on the Hong Kong piece or do you just want to move beyond past that? 
yeah, just very briefly, literally very briefly, whenever people say that, I often ask them the question, historically, who has had to put up the police and the army um, to prevent who from coming where? Um, has it been those who are on the Hong Kong side who have had to put up the police and the army preventing the Chinese, historically poorer Chinese, fleeing China into Hong Kong? Or was it the, Hong, uh, the, the Chinese government who had to put up the army um, and the soldiers to prevent Hong Kong people fleeing from there into China? That should tell you everything you need to know as to which society was best and which institutions were more favored. Well, and along those lines, you know, despite the fairy tales, the lies, the fiction told, and I've done videos to dispute this and show the actual figures, which are public available, by the way. People can do a Google search and find it. But despite the lies about Donald Trump being a xenophobe and a racist and he's shutting down immigration to America, which is all nonsense, we have naturalized over one million people per year each year of Donald Trump's administration, which is at the same that's level, right. down 100,000, up 100,000 from the eight years of the Obama regime. And so right. Donald Trump has not affected that. And there's a reason why over a million people want to become part of our exclusive club and become an American and get an American passport. And it's not just, you know, for a place to hide when the balloon goes up in Hong Kong or it goes up in, in Pretoria. People want to become Americans because being an American is not an ethnicity. It's not a religion. It's not it's not a political philosophy. It is an ideal. It's something people aspire to. And we have values. And anyway, so uh, I just want to share that real quick. So let's get to um, Herman Ruiz. I don't know if you know Herman. Herman is a tobacco farmer in Hauteng. Um, and he's, oh, uh, yeah. You know, him. I think he's actually a fan on my show. Uh, yeah, I remember I, the name. I think he probably is. So Herman did the super chat there. Uh, the one that will get me one third of a cigarette if I smoke, but I don't smoke, so we'll find something else with that. But <laughs> not to pick on a super chat. He is, he's a tobacco farmer, so I suspect he's probably suffering right now. So his question he's is, struggling. What's, what's your thought on the cigarette ban? I'm sure I know the answer, but let, let's hear it. Yeah, look, guys, it's actually quite simple. No government should ever be in a position where it tells people what it can and can't put into their bodies. I'm a classical liberal, libertarian, if you will, um, in that regard. Insofar as it should be up to the individual and families, really, to decide what is and, and, is and isn't appropriate for themselves and the freedom around that. So when it comes to the issue of smokers, for example, in this country, it's absolutely disgusting to see a government actually revel. I mean, they... they, they they, they get super chuffed and happy. Oh, they're proud um, of themselves. They're, 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 it's, they're, it's, it's insane. Yeah, they're chuffed. It's absolutely, absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 we should never be in a position where we ever allow that. Because, again, there are the unintended consequences of that. And I think Herman is a good example. No one tells the story of someone like a Herman uh, Ruiz, who is a tobacco farmer and who's struggling at the moment. How many people does Herman Ruiz uh, employ who are now struggling at the moment because of an asinine decision taken by a politician? Let me be precise and specific. This decision wasn't taken by the consumers who consume Herman's uh, product. Uh, in other words, it wasn't the market that said, no, we no longer want your product. And on that basis, you need to adapt and do something else. It was a politician who did that. Um, and you've got to reject that as South Africans. And this is what I keep saying to people, um, to be br brutally and to be frank, South Africans have this thing sometimes of wanting to look to courts um, to defend their rights. And yes, that is one important avenue, but you've also got to understand that courts are also being captured by the very sort of politicians that we're railing against. So that I've always said people power is more important. It is the people of any society who, are, who have the incumbent duty to defend their life, their liberty and their property rights. I've said this once and I'll always say it again, so that when we talk about the cigarette ban, it is, should be the 10 million smoking South Africans who literally say, we are drawing the line here 
and no further. And any politician who tries to infringe on our rights to enjoy a product that we freely go after and we freely spend our money with, any politician who goes after that should face the consequences and repercussions, as I said in Vlog 27, the consequences and repercussions of bringing harm onto us. And I think, again, I must empathize with someone like Herman, um, but also speak to the broader issue that South Africans are being punished by politicians who see themselves as the moral authority of us, who see themselves as the parents of South Africans. And we've got to reject that, that patronizing and paternalistic input, uh, impulse, rather. And I should say we choose liberty, we choose the individual, we choose families over politicians. No, I think this is a great point. In fact, they're very, you know, it's not even democratic. It, the parliament said nothing about this. This was an unelected, undemocratic, unaccountable command body, the National Coronavirus Command Council, and of course, one person making this decision. That's not democracy. That's totalitarianism. That is, that is not acceptable. And I, yes, I don't care if there's a provision in the act that allows for such a body to be created. It wasn't created for that purpose. Absolutely. And again, as a last thought, um, it's these sort of things that South Africans always need to be wary of and challenge aggressively and constantly. We have this weird tendency, unfortunately, South Africans um, to sit back and sort of say, yeah, someone will tackle this issue for me. Right. So there's a lot, for example, being said around, hey, where are the big tobacco companies to take the state on on this issue? And then when we saw them not take the state on, people got very upset. And I had to contextualize it to people. And I said, guys, you've got to understand the thing about big business. Um, and this is why I often say on my show that I'm not pro-business, I'm pro-markets. Being pro-business can literally see you sometimes defend companies that are very cozy with government, that are very cozy with politicians, who have these nice crony arrangements with politicians, so that when it even comes to their own self-preservation as businesses, they can even forego that with the view of trying to be to play nice, basically, with politicians. And we saw that as South Africans when we saw the tobacco companies sit back initially. I'm talking about uh, British American tobacco in particular, um, that only very much later came to the party um, to, to realize, hang on, actually being nice to politicians sometimes isn't the most appropriate thing. You've got to draw the line in the sand and fight for your rights. Now, listen, I think you touched on something very important there that people confuse. People especially leftists. And I got a guy who's on LinkedIn who follows me, who's just a decent person, but he's always trying to sharpshoot me with his leftist nonsense. And so, you know, I have to straighten him out all the time. But, but he's like, you know, well, look at the bailouts of General Motors. No, the General Motors was stolen from shareholders and bondholders in an illegal, extra-legal process by the corrupt Obama administration so they could That's give right. a third of it to the unions who deserve nothing because they're partly responsible for the collapse. Management as well. Right. It's not It's not exactly, it wasn't, the management had a role in this. But they stole that from shareholders and they stole it from almost every American who has some sort of retirement account because almost every retirement account in the country had shares of General Motors. And they, they liquidated the company. They took their shares away from them and people got nothing. The bondholders who gave up $19 billion after the market went to the bond and General Motors needed money and nobody wanted to buy it because they're like, hey, General Motors, no thanks. So the big banks that issued these bonds, went to their institutional investors and said, look, they, they've got a good plan. They've got some new models coming out. It's going to be okay. Trust us. They need the money, and they'll make it. So they loan $19 billion. Then 18 months later, Barry Obama comes in office and says, capitalism is dead. It's the reason we have this problem. And oh, by the way, you know, it just the list goes on and on. It just absolutely drives me nuts, the lies and myths talk about. But, but people, your, your statement is absolutely correct. 
people mistake supporting a business with supporting a free market. No, no, no. See, yeah. here's the issue in South Africa. I could tell I tell people from the outset, don't get excited about, you know, Edcon or about True Words or about, you know, these big companies and he's moving his phone around by the way, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the noise is. Sorry, I'm just I'm trying to catch the light. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's moving around. No, the light was okay where you at, but that's fine. Anyway, so um so it's not it, don't expect those big companies in South Africa to stand up for consumers or for workers at their companies because they're in collusion with the government because they have a cozy arrangement and it allows them to right. exist. The people you have to worry about are small businesses, small and medium-sized enterprises, and as I've talked about from the very outset, informal traders. This is a sector of the economy that's so critical in most of Africa, less so in South Africa, but it's still important, but it's almost wholesale been ignored. And on top of that, you've got this nonsense with the government racializing things like the Tourism Relief Fund, in which they're denying they are denying money to minority-owned businesses. And then the North Haltang High Court upholds that as non-racial and non-discriminatory. Yeah. I don't know what they're smoking. It's, they're smoking Daga, man. It's crazy. But, but, but that's what happens, and I keep saying this. That's why what happens when we, 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 we shirk our responsibility of getting involved in the battle of ideas. Because remember, your ideological opponents are doing the work. They're doing the groundwork of wafting in their ideas into a society. And I talk a lot about the battle of ideas. What am I talking about here? Well, the battle of ideas theory, which is what the BDL uh, brand works on, is the idea that it is a society at the cusp of crisis, a society at the point of breaking, if you will. Um, it is that society where it is he who injects the greatest volume of ideas into that society who will sway it in one direction or the other. Let me repeat that. It is a society at the cusp of crisis where it is he who injects the greatest volume of ideas into that society who will win the day. He will sway that society in one direction or the other. And you've got to understand that the broad left in this country, whether it is the ANC, the EFF, or, and the other gaggle of lefties in this country, were supported by academia, supported by you know the shills in the media, are literally engaging in the battle of ideas. They are wafting out their toxic ideas into a society which is being swayed to, by and large, um, think that that is reality. Whereas we, on the liberty side of the coin, by and large, are sitting back and assuming that you know the few voices in the ivory towers are somehow going to win the battle uh, for us. And this is why. I often draw a lot of anger, even from liberty-minded people, you know, the, the libertarians, the classical liberals, and the conservatives here in South Africa, because I describe myself as the street fighter of classical liberalism, the, the street fighter of libertarianism, of taking these ideas out of these damn ivory towers and actually going onto the streets, into the shanty towns or the, the shacks, into the informal community uh, settlements, into townships, into even leafy suburbia in order to spread these ideas. You've got to actually place them into the communities. And maybe if you get a chance, I'll speak to your viewers around what the Big Daddy Liberty Plan is to basically do the groundwork of winning our society with these liberty ideas. No, that's a great idea. Let's, we'll get back to the question about the, uh, the, the politics or the, the decision by the court to allow people to stand as independents in a moment. But very quickly, I just want to let people know Joe Emilio is on the channel with us now. He came in a little bit ago. Hey, Joe. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's been uh, talking back and forth. Let me just make a couple comments about Joe, and I think these are apropos. And I suspect you'll agree, Absolutely. but let's, let's see if you agree with it. So um, Joe is talking to Handy Dutchman, and he said, no, I just told my story. I cannot control what people do. But I don't want people to cancel her. I want people to know that they can stand up against this cancel culture. And then Joe says, I'm standing up against it. 
But standing up against it does not mean canceling our back. Listen, I, I can't say that they're clear. I agree. Let, listen, let the leftists run diarrhea out their mouth. They expose their, 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 their bankrupt ideas. You know, as long as they're not disrespectful, hateful, racial, or, or, you know, discriminatory against people, then let them run their mouths. And, of course, they do all those things, so you have to be on the guard for that. Uh, but like yesterday, I had, I, for the first time ever, Big Daddy Liberty, I actually had, I told a moderator to take somebody out of the chat. I had a conversation yesterday with um, Reese Vandevat, and she's a uh, owner of Hair Tribe, which is a beauty uh, hair salon in, in Joburg, in Sunning Hill. And Reese was on the channel because I want to talk about reopening small businesses after the lockdown eased up. And what better place to talk to somebody but in a service industry that was dramatically impacted where people can't get close to each other, like nail salons and hair so and barbers. So I brought her on. We're talking. And some troll jumps in there named with Louise going, well, yeah, don't listen to this guy. He's not legitimate. He's not in the Army. Well, first, what's that got to do with the conversation? Nobody said I was in the Army. I, I'm not in the Army. I was in the Army. And next thing she comes in, you can't trust him. Everything is a false flag. And like people are like, what? And she started distracting from the chat. And we're having a very good conversation here. I didn't want people to distract in the chat. So then she comes back and goes, well, they didn't do anything for us and our soldiers in Angola. I'm like, okay, you want to talk about Angola? That's a different stream. This stream is talking about reopening small business in South Africa. So... <laughs> So that's the first time. For that's the first time ever. I said, just you know, and, and Yanni uh, gave Yanni Vandevat gave her a timeout. She came back with the same nonsense, and they just you know that's the first time. But I never do that because let leftists run their drivel and they expose themselves. You, their ideas are Absolutely. so bankrupt. You just let them talk. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think Joe, Joe no, says that you, we all we all agree that as long as they're not being you know insulting, disrespectful, let them you know if your ideas should be able to triumph on their own. If your ideas can't triumph on their own, then they're not good enough and people should pick a different idea. The problem is the leftist ideas suck and they just flowered up with lies. That's the problem. <laughs> That's right. No, I mean, you're spot on. And, you know, Joe's story is actually one which which um, I've spoken about on the show and it actually touched me a little bit because, again, I, I, I always say this on my show. If you touch South African families, if you touch South African families, you literally touch me and you're literally invoke, if I can call it that, my wrath on a lot of issues. Because cancel culture, in particular, um, which is born out of a whole series of ideas, really, toxic and terrible ideas, uh, mostly from university academics, who, after realizing the failure of socialism and, and Marxism, in particular in the 20th century, rebranded themselves to basically take Marxism out of a class analysis, very briefly, so if you remember, dear viewer, Marx used to argue that the greatest oppression and um, uh, disadvantage in society happened between the classes, where he argued that there was a lower class or the proletariat, the working class, the poor, and there was an upper class, a bourgeoisie, he described. And he said all social ills in society happen as a dichotomy between these two areas of between the, the upper class, the bourgeoisie, and the proletariat. So after realizing these, this group of academics from what was called the Frankfurt School of Thought, after realizing the sheer failure of Marxism and its original um, tool of analysis of using class, they basically said, hey, let's rebrand Marxism and basically apply it to all sorts of other things um, and argue that those things form a oppression relationship. So not just class now, it also included gender and race and culture, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that essentially make us who we are in terms of our identity, they basically took that class analysis of the oppression scale and applied it to everything else. Now, it is those same individuals who are 
the, and their ideas, rather. Remember, I always talk about the battle of ideas. It's those ideas that are wafting into society that have the likes of your, um, I, rem- I forgot her name, you said Louise or whatever, um, who will come onto these chats with these toxic ideas and try and troll the group. Um, um, but I'm using my train of thought. Essentially, what I was trying to get at is this. Um, when it comes to Joe in particular, the girl who tried to to deplatform him and and um, you know cancel Joe Emilio represents this, the very sort of ideas that I argue are toxic and are um, anti-family, anti-institutions, and anti-society. Why? Because it is based on a mere disagreement with Joe that you would want to see him lose his ability to put bread on the table. Can there be anything more morally repugnant as that? Someone who will literally go after your ability to provide for families simply because they disagree with you? Oh, absolutely. Guys, absolutely. there is something fundamentally wrong with that. There's fu- something fundamentally morally bankrupt about the concept of taking food off of someone's table because you disagree with them. How juvenile absolutely. is that? How juvenile and childish is that? And that's what happens absolutely. all around the world. So really quickly here, and then we're going to get back to the other question. Um, so Christian uh, Paradago, um, who lives in KZN, um, I hear birds in the background, man. It sounds like really lovely, the spot you're in. <laughs> uh, can you hear birds? I can't hear anything oh, oh, okay can, there you go, there you go okay. <laughs> no but but christian who lives in kzn and he likes to come on and troll the channel and 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 not for people to start beating up on christian because he does add some good comments to the show <laughs> so he's one of these people that i'm happy to tolerate although yesterday he thought i was he called me a karen yesterday and i told him the foot sec so he, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, anyway so christian said those lefties wanting to give you free health care the horror Okay, we're not going to get into that, but let me just respond to that because I, I let make free exactly. Let me. That's the point I want to make, Big Daddy. Is that okay? I, that's why I also make the point. And on my channel, I, I bring everything, and it's not just one thing. So, Christian, okay, there's no such thing as a free lunch, brother. That's the reality. Somebody is paying for your bum to go to the clinic, and there's no such thing as free. So, the question is how it's paid for. And there was a comment that came out of this film earlier. Somebody talking about. It was yesterday about the Trump trying to stop the the Unaffordable Care Act here in the U.S. Oh, I'm sorry, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. But let me do a little housekeeping here. But very... your first hint was actually right. Yeah, I know. That's... It is the Unaffordable Well, listen, I, I have all kinds of names. You were talking earlier about Nkosizane Dalamizuma, and you got her title wrong. She is the Minister of Uncooperative and Fair, uh, Uncooperative Governance, <laughs> Uncooperative Governance and Irrational Affairs. And then Rod- <laughs> Rodney Lamola is the, the the Minister of Injustice. And uh, Ibrahim, <laughs> Ibrahim Patel is the minister of no trade and industry. Oh, literally. <laughs> All right. So listen, a uh, little bit of housekeeping, ladies and gentlemen. And, and uh, look, I got to get Big Daddy Liberty back in this channel. Let me tell you why. Not just because this is amazing conversation, but for the first time ever uh, on my live stream. Uh, now, it's a consequence, of course, of getting more subscribers, but also people coming in because of who's on the channel and the, the discourse that we have here. But we surpassed 200 people during a live stream hit 210 just hey. so thank you all so much for coming in whether you're big daddy liberty supporters or supporters of my channel or supporters of both of our channels thank you so much for coming in it's been very exciting so far there's some more comments that i want to bring in here uh big daddy let me get um oh by the way joe emilio um thanked you for you know, having a stream and i was about to spank joe because I'm like hey well chop liver man i had you on first you had like 10 subscribers <laughs> when I brought you on my channel. Anyway, no, I'm, now, now I'm doing my best Ronaldo Hose imitation there. So, no. Uh, but uh, but then Joe, Joe, Joe makes a nice save. He makes a nice save in response to Hilomi Jeffrey. He says, I don't think I'm the one to lead, but I know we need a plan. Chris Wyatt would be great to lead us. Okay, so Joe, nice save, man. I like that. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see. Um, uh, 
Jaji Stam says, suggestion to you, Chris, why don't you join Big Daddy Liberty for part of his ground war that he's starting next week? What's that about? I'm, I'm, I missed that somehow. Yeah. All right. Just before I get into that, how's the light, Chris? Because I'm literally in the dark. Oh, now, now you are. You... Now you are in the dark. You look like a little small, right, you look like a small child peeking out somewhere. Okay, that's. <laughs> oh, that's All right. right. This we... is literally the last bits of light here. So the sun is going down um... on you quickly there. Yeah, we can see you. We can see. I All like right, your so... truck there, man. That's cool. That's you got that on the window. That's awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. It's uh, yeah. This is the truck. Can you just maybe show? Uh... Oh, that's sweet. That is sweet. And look so at that big, big Daddy Liberties in South Africa, where you know public safety is fine. There's no reason to be fear for your life. And look at that; he's right next to a wall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, um, but yeah, look very briefly. So the ground war um, on the channel, I, I described the two means through which um, I've argued, excuse me, that we can uh, build a liberty culture in this country. Um, and my role in it, at least. So on the one hand, I've divided the strategy into two uh, tactics, if I can call it that. The air war, um, which describes, of course, things like this, you know, being on YouTube, producing the show, um, getting the ideas out on uh, shows like these and my own show. So that forms part of the, the air war so to speak. And a part of that, of course, is across South Africa uh, in all sorts of communities uh, getting onto local community radio stations because, you know, the, the truth of the matter is the vast majority of South Africans cannot afford, um, you know, the sort of data to be watching the show re religiously. So I'd rather be on community radio stations where they can hear the ideas and I can engage them in the battle of ideas in that regard. So that's, that's the air war by and large what I'm embarking on. Um, the YouTube show, all the social media, and of course, getting onto local radio stations across the country for them to syndicate the show. Um, then there's the ground war, which um, your viewer was alluding to. Now, the ground war is essentially 60% of what I want to do, which is traveling the length and the breadth of this country, going literally from um, Tsanin to Kailicha, from Port Nolith to Mlazi, literally traversing, you know, informal settlements, rural South Africa, um, townships, and leafy suburbia to basically prosecute the battle of ideas, to get my liberty side, or rather my liberty-leaning ideas, into the sort of communities that I've never experienced or never heard them before. Um, and that's the bulk of the work that I'll be doing. Uh, so that will literally mean uh, in this vehicle over here, traveling and living on the road for the next six months initially, um, literally doing this advocacy work. So you might see me in your part of the world, uh, here in South Africa, wherever that may be, uh, doing some sort of campaign. I mean, you, you could see me at a, at a busy intersection in your part of the world holding a sign up that says... Um, you know, the ANC is a crime against humanity, changed my mind, or something like that. Um, and then having people come and engage me, and we can have this sort of discussion with the view of changing people's minds. Um, I'll be running campaigns, like door-to-doors, uh, speaking events. You can invite me to your part of the world, get, you know, 10 neighbors together, 10 friends together, and BDL will come to your, your place and, and do a talk. <coughs> When I'm in your part of the world, I'll be engaging community-based organizations, um, you know, stock sales, you name it, basically trying to advance the ideas of liberty. Cool. So I got a quick question for you. Somebody said something about your headlights are on. I don't think your headlights are on, are they? 
No, I think they're just talking. Uh, about no, they're not. But it's way. it's just awfully dark here. Yeah. Um, well, no, I was about to say if if weren't for the streetlights across the street, it's starting to look like Zimbabwe. No power. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, this is the usual. Somebody, sorry, I'm gonna. There you go. I'm gonna come to my street lights here. Okay. Yeah, the, the well, we don't want to want to make your battery go flat though. That's the. I was gonna ask you if you had a torch, but it was getting hard to see you there. You look like a small child out there. Couldn't see you. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a moment. Um, okay. I just need to set this all up again. I'm feeling really guilty because uh, I, for, you know, I forget I haven't been living in, in that part of the world for a couple of years, and the sun just disappears instantly. You know, it's just it's from one moment to the next. So while you're doing that, a couple a couple comments. Um, UCN came back and said to me, great responses. African countries can use your knowledge and expertise. Well, thank you very kindly, UCN. I appreciate that. He said that said Hong Kong is purely Cantonese. Let's not underplay the role of a largely mono ethnic society. Well, that's fair, uh, UCN. I'll give you that. But but having a mono ethnic society is not the sole key to success. You know, having a successful polity and a political system. A lot of countries have multi-ethnic um, polity, and they are very successful. So it's not the only, but but yes, it definitely makes it easier in some respects. Oops, now I've lost your video. All I've got. No, no, I'm still here. I'm just um, a lot of fiddling, so I'd rather just. Uh, no, no, but I've lost. A second. I've lost the video side of yours. Did you turn the camera off? Uh, yes, just for a second. Okay, that's fine. Uh, he's. I need to answer. He's doing, he's doing something in the background. Maybe this is one of those, you know, Eastern Cape, you know, Nelson Mandela Bay drive-by strip joints. <laughs> 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 anyway so let me get back to the comments while you're doing that um while he's fiddling around with that uh get you online lynn said how do we fight when the le when legal is corrupt and paybacks to rule against uh, she's telling me how do we fight this cigarette ban well that's a tough one Lynn, um, especially when the courts aren't helping um and then gareth says uh, i should get you on uh, my stray voltage stream tonight well i don't want to i don't want to double tap you but if you're free and you want to come on later this evening and you've got some light <laughs> You're welcome to come. Yeah, on the, like it's... you're welcome to come on the straight voltage later on. I come on at nine thirty if you want to come on, but I'm not. I'm not I'm going to ask you to do it. Just someone's mentioned it, so I just mentioned there. Okay, can we can we get back to the question that um, Nigel had much earlier? And he said, "Ask Big Daddy Lib." Now you're like, man, you're like, dude, you're not Big Daddy Libby. You're like the size of a postage stamp on my screen. I got there. There we go. For some reason, Skype came up really small. Now I got you back. Okay, so <laughs> oh, we're having fun with that. But let's let's answer this, and then we'll go on uh, to a few other things. I want to ask questions about yourself and how you got to where you're at and how you feel you're doing. Um, so Nigel asked this question earlier about um, what do you think of the Constitutional Court instructing the Independent Electoral Commission to change the way that an individual can now run as an independent? So what do you think of that? What's oh, your thoughts? That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, it, it, it begins to break the the power of uh, what what has largely been corrupt and inept political political parties in this country. I mean, anybody who knows and listens to me on the show, I always make this point that South Africa suffers from a lack of diversity, a lack of political diversity um, in our politics. Um, I mean, it's absolutely like it. it, it, it the, the the lack of diversity in our politics is is absolutely crippling because it is it is the exact reason why a good number a large minority if I can call it that of South Africans are choosing not to vote even though they're eligible to vote and are voting age and are even registered to vote but they opt not to vote let me be precise and specific and give numbers the ANC in the last election uh, there we go the ANC in the last election. Um, got um, 10 million votes in the last election. That's the, the ANC. Mm -hmm. um, the DA got about 4 million votes. But now, if you look at the raw numbers, 
10 million votes, compare that to the 12 million South Africans who are eligible to vote but do not vote. That tells you a story. That tells you that if those 12 million South Africans, for whatever reason, decided to enter an election cycle, um, they could literally get rid of the ANC like that. You could change the electoral map um, in a single election. So that it begs the question, why are these South Africans not voting? And the one reason I advance is, is exactly the point I made earlier, is people look at the politics and they go, yeah, none of this actually really talks to me in terms of my values, and none of these ideas appeal to me in terms of what I want as a South African. That's the first major impediment. The other one is our politics is just, it's, it's fundamentally corrupt. Um, and people are not stupid to this. They're not, they're not blind to that. So that you've got to, therefore, win those 12 million South Africans with the battle of ideas. You've got to engage them on a continuous and consistent basis outside of an election year, outside of an election cycle, with the sort of ideas that can charge them up and energize them. And this is why I'm standing for my ideas. I know people nearly thought I said I'm standing for uh, elections. Um, I'm not. <laughs> well, that's but one of the questions. Essentially, <laughs> but it's exactly why I'm charged up and I'm energized in terms of hitting communities across this country and saying, hey, I am Big Daddy Liberty. What are my values? My values represent largely who you are as a South African. South Africans are not the red in tooth and claw lefty commies that people think we are. We're actually rather conservative. You know, South Africans by and large are three things. One, they're God-fearing, they're law-abiding by and large, unless, of course, the traffic light is turning uh, orange and it's about to go red. Um, yeah, and but that's, the last that's, one is that's universal. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're family orientated, which is the last one, the critically important one. They're largely quite conservative people. So that when I talk about my values, for instance, of loving faith, flag and uh, family and freedom, it resonates with millions of people who go, yeah, those are my values. I I I'm very ha happy, rather, to hear someone articulate them because we don't hear those values in our politics. Then I say, if you agree with my values, then you'll love my ideas of a property-owning, liberty-leaning, free and um, prosperous society. And the ideas that build it, the idea that we break down the states to a large extent, consign it to a few responsibilities and all that power and all those resources, we place them into the hands of the individual, really, of families. And of course, I speak in, in, in details as to what I mean by that. Um, and I don't speak in these, just these platitudes. I give actual hard policy interventions on how we can do that. And people are receptive to that. So I, I'm of the view that my work over the next six months to a yeah, depending if I have the money to be able to continue to do this. Um, so in the next six months, um, being on the road, community to community, door to door, family to family, selling these ideas, sharing my values with South Africans. That is my mission over the next six months. And God willing, if you know the funds come together, I will continue to do this until we change this society. South Africans, we have a country to build. We have a country to change. And it needs us to do the groundwork, to support each other, to literally take South Africans by the hand and say, we're doing this. We're actually going to communities to win the battle of ideas. So that's the only way you can do that. So this constitutional court... Uh, um, uh, ruling, which basically allows individuals to run without a, uh, a political party, is fantastic because I'm of the view that I may be laying the ground for that that politician to then rise up out of a community to say, hey, I have these ideas. I heard them from BDL. I can see that there are millions of other people who resonate with them. I'm going to stand and hopefully we can have a new crop of politicians in this country.
Well, it's interesting you say that, and that's that's the thing that drives me absolutely. Um, I don't want to use foul language, but there's a word that begins with an A and ends with a T, and there's uh, feces and <laughs> feces and a primate in between there. But uh, that drives me absolutely bonkers. Is that um, I've been telling Republicans for decades, and I've been telling the Democratic Alliance in South Africa, not that I'm there, but when I'm engaging with people and others in opposition parties South Africa, is that you don't get elected by rocking up 90 days before an election and putting posters up and going on the radio and saying, vote for us, these are our ideas, especially when you shift to the left in the DA and suddenly the ANC lights right. under Musi Maimani. What was going on there, I don't know. But That's right. well, here's the deal. You get elected with a ground game 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You get out, you explain to people. The irony in America is that Black Americans are like South Africans, traditionally conservative, and it's it's, it's 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 the height of irony to see Black Americans vote in overwhelming numbers for Democrats. I know why historically, mm. because not because Republicans ended slavery and you know, all that. That's all true, but that's not the reason. The reason they should vote Republican is Republicans where most conservatives find themselves. Some find themselves Democratic, but fewer and fewer each day. But conservatives are people of faith. People who believe in family, people who respect their elders, people who believe in law and order. And, and in this country, the Second Amendment, the right to carry a gun, freedom of worship, freedom of assembly. And and black Americans, by and large, that that is a definition of most black Americans. You know, I mean, show me even even the most misbehaved, you know, wannabe gangster black kid that doesn't shut up when when his aunt or his grandmother tells him to come here and shut up. I mean, that that's conservative and that's a natural location for black Americans. Yet they because of historical things that happened in the 20th century, they migrated to the Democratic Party to their own dismay and their own destruction. And it's the same that's in South right. Africa. So let me let me let me do a little housekeeping very quickly. And then I'm going to ask a very good question, I think, that uh, hopefully you can answer. And I'm sure you can. But, folks, if you're just tuning in, thank you for tuning in. Once again, we've hit a high peak here of people tuning in. So grateful for that. 216 people watching right now. Thank you all for tuning in. You're listening to. Uh, Daba Africa on the Chris White Africa channel on YouTube. Thank you so much. My guest on a special feature here on a Sunday is Sile Ngobos. Sorry, Ngobesi. I got to say, and I, I got to correct earlier. Now I'm because I'm trying oh, just to just Big Daddy, man. Just Eng, Big Daddy. Eng, 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 yeah, no, Big Daddy Liberty. Uh, those who know him as Big Daddy Liberty, and we've been talking about um, you know left, right, politics, Africa, now America, and also South Africa in particular. And we've got a few questions coming up, but let me ask a question I've got for you. So, and I think this is something people want to know. What you're trying to do, the message you're trying to get out, what's your thoughts? Is it resonating? Are people listening to it? Is anyone coming to your to your banner? Or or are you like a lone reed in the pond blowing in the wind? What I mean, hopefully that's not the case. That would be very depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but look, before I answer that question, one, one has to understand this. <clears throat> the groundwork hence I said it makes up 60% of what I do, is the hard yards. That is the hard slog. That is the work that needs to be done. So that when I answer the question of, is it resonating? Are people be, uh, receptive to the ideas? The short answer is yes. But you've also got to fight. There's, there's two battles I'm, uh, I'm fighting on this particular front. The one is... Um, the overly racialized nature of South African society. Um, South Africans live in their little hookies, as we say in Afrikaans, their little corners um, that are historically developed by and large and are reinforced by our fear, largely, to actually reach out and speak to each other to a large extent. Um, 
so that he often find that I have to speak to white South Africans um, and remind them, for example, that they too share the values of faith, flag, family and freedom as I do, and that they are no different to any black South African in that regard, and that they too can stand up and be proud of their individual uh, personalities, their individual culture, and actually say, I'm, I'm a South African, by, 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 by gosh darn it, um, because of that. Um, and not feel this eternal shame and this need, this weird need to self-flagellate um, in, in this country. You don't have to do that. And I keep saying this to South Africans. A part of my mission is to, to show white South Africans exactly that, that you are very much part and parcel of this country. You do not need to um, try and defend the past as somehow being an inherent part of who you are, an inherent part of your culture. Apartheid is not part of your culture. You do not have to defend it. You do not have to see it as being part of who you are. Claim your South African identity and stand with the next South African, which brings me to the very next type of South African, the, the Black South African by and large, reminding him that you are not a victim. You are not your past. You are a literal individual with agency who lives in a free society well which could be freer yeah. but a free society nonetheless um where you're able to pursue your own individual interests and be the sort of person you are and defend yourself as an individual defend your family and advance your family excuse me um reminding them that they are not their politics they are not their current government. Um, state socialism, for instance, has no place in our tradition. It no, has no hold over our lives. You are an individual. And if you too, as a Black South African, believe in my values of being a society of faith, a love of the flag, not government, the flag, our country. Ah, there goes my lights. Um, well, I hope your battery is not flat. Nah, it'll be fine. Um, oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know, if you also believe in the values of faith, flag, family and freedom, then by gosh, stand with BDL, stand with your fellow South African and let us actually change the country. So that message in particular is beginning to resonate. That is why, as a last gasp, I'm taking to the streets and the roads of South Africa into small dorpies, uh, towns and cities to win South Africans on the battle of these ideas, to share my values with them and hopefully build something which can then change the country. So yes, it is resonating, but I need to do the work. And it's up to South Africans to support me, to back me in that as I build a coalition of South Africans who hold my views and who emulate exactly what I'm doing. No, I think that's fantastic. You know, and that's what people need to understand. And I think part of the problem with this is that not only have we not seen education improve from Bantus down education, but under the ANC, after a decent start, it's gone backwards. It's in many respects, it's worse. Instead of fixing the broken Bantustan education system, they've destroyed all public education. And now they keep lowering the standards. And so you have generations of cohorts coming up now that are not learning proper education, let alone the ability to think critically and for themselves. And that's quite scary. And that's not just South Africa. That's global. We have it here in the States. That's it's right. really, really sad. Really, really sad. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a, several questions here people brought in, um, one of which was... Um, Earlier, Gareth asked if you had a breakdown, the demographic who doesn't vote. Yes, he has a breakdown. I have a breakdown. We've all talked about this. I'm, we're not going to spend time on that right now about who the people who aren't voting are, race and gender. And by the way, here's another thing. And you know this as well. A lot of people seem to think that white people just vote for the DA or the Freedom Front Plus. No, there's a lot of white mm -hmm. South Africans who vote for the ANC. 
Uh, and you, that's right. You need to wake those people up too, because um, they're deluded, or they're doing it because they are cozy with the government, whatever the reason. But but you need to wake those folks up too. Um, that's that's part of it too. Uh, now there's several questions coming in. People are asking about this, and and I don't know, but I'll ask this. Um, People keep asking your view on farm murders. Um, I would I would not say farmers. No, I don't want to say plasmod. Let me turn. There, somebody asked me to speak Afrikaans area. There, there you go. There's plasmod. There you go. Um, not, not, I don't want to say farmers, but for me, the issue is rural insecurity because it's, it's, it is the farms, but it affects people across the board. I just saw the carte blanche special in which they interviewed a, a gentleman who's a black South African and talks about he's irritated because they don't talk about farm murders. Like I've been saying for over 20 years that farm murders happen to coloreds, to blacks, to Indians, to whites, but the media focuses on white South Africans, and, and it's horrific, and I appreciate that they focus on it, but they need to focus on rural insecurity, the withdrawal of the commando system, the absence of SAPs yeah. in the rural areas. So what's your view on, on rural insecurity, and if you want to say farm murders? <clears throat> I, I don't like to call it just farm murders, even though it is. Go ahead. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, 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 it's an absolute... Um, uh, um, Disaster. Shame. For yeah, sorry. I, I, sorry, I actually thought of the sentence in, in, in Zulu, and then I, it went to Afrikaans, and then I was like, ah, English, English. Um, this is scandal. This, 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 uh, it's it's absolute, absolute scandal that that, um, that plagues our society, that plagues South Africa. I mean, why are we why are we quiet about this issue? Why are we quiet when the very people who put meals on our tables as South Africans, whether you're black or white, are literally facing the brunt of violent crime in, 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 in rural parts of South Africa? And I must zoom in on this crime because it can't be said that it's just crime. You know, it's just crime, crime. No, it's violent in its nature. I mean, we're seeing people being tortured, you know, like there's some sort of prisoner of war. Simply because, you know, the, these individuals live in isolated parts of the world. And unfortunately, the, the, the average age of our farmers, you know, is late 50s and in their 60s. So, <clears throat> so these are mostly elderly people or, or older, rather, people are elderly, but older people. So they're, they're a bigger target in that sense. But why are we there for not seeing the states literally say, hey, this is a crisis. Someone do something about this. Employ the resources in this part of the world. Be creative in allowing people to not only be able to defend themselves as communities, but also the state playing what is the role of the state, which is to protect our life, our liberty and our property rights. Why are we not seeing a government that loses its mind over fellow South Africans being murdered brutally, being maimed, being tortured, as we're seeing? Oh, Why totally. is it that we're not seeing a, a conversation about, quote, their lives mattering, since that's the buzzword these days. Why are we not seeing that conversation? So that it does anger me, it does frustrate me, because as I said to you near the beginning of the stream, when you touch South African families, you touch me. And I literally take it personally. I literally take it personally. How many more people need to lose relatives, need to lose family members, beloved family members in violent, traumatic crimes before someone says, hey, you know what, maybe we need to actually act against this and do something meaningful. And you're right, as a, maybe as a last cast, I think it begins, number one, with empowering South Africans, not just the farming community, not just the rural community. Number one, empowering South Africans for them to take charge of their own safety, for us to be our own first responders. And that is why on this show in particular, I'm a massive gun advocate. Massive, massive, massive. That guns and gun ownership should be a right, not a quote-unquote privilege in this country. Because you cannot have a state fail us on the issue of safety and then tell us that our protecting ourselves is a privilege. That is absolute poppycock. And that is me trying not to swear. That is absolute poppycock. <laughs> And I appreciate it, that. It, it, 
It's an absolute scandal. So that my, my, my final gasp is this. And, and I must be frank with the viewers. Part of my traveling around the country is to tell these South African stories. I will be producing miniseries, documentaries on these very issues from the lens of a South African, a liberty-leaning South African, so that we can raise awareness, further awareness, because it's not like no one's talking about this, but we must raise further awareness, especially in the international community, about what South Africans are going through under this corrupt regime that we call the ANC government. Who, by the way, it's not just the ANC. It is the broad left in this country who I'm of the view, because of their particular view on the issue of land, are using this issue as a wedge, are using this issue as a, 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 a tool to, to scare South Africans, to say, hey, you know, if you don't give up this land, in inverted commas, then, you know, this violence continues and we're not going to do anything about it as the state. Absolute scandal. This net scandal. And, it was much, uh, and we need to ask why we, we literally allow politicians to do this. Why are we not screaming and talking to fellow South Africans and saying we need to do something about this? Get into the battle of ideas, change our society so that we can vote out that sort of scum of a politician that does this to us, that sees families being broken up like this. Guys, I'm sorry. It is up to you and me to change this country. Listen, uh, uh, Big Daddy, uh, I, I, I didn't want to stop you there, man. People started super sticker and super chatting, and they're loving what you got to say. So I'm going to cover those in just a second. But, yeah, actually, let me cover those first before I forget because I'll get off on a tangent here. So uh, I, I didn't want to say preach, brother, but I almost said preach, brother. So uh, UCN uh, gave a uh, 100 uh, Hong Kong dollar Super sticker and says goal. He's got the little dude crossing the goal line, raising his hands. Thank you so much for that, UCN. UCN, I really appreciate being here. I remember the first time you came on the channel, people thought you were trolling. And I'm like, well, you got deleted by mistake. And remember, I, I know you and you, I think you appreciate this. I went back and said, no, you weren't saying anything wrong. You just had a different view. And I respect different views. So thanks for coming in. And as, as we discover here, people have different views, but they have more in common than they realize. Um, and I and I say Absolutely. and I say this with people who are on the political left here in the U.S. or I find on LinkedIn who who think that we can't meet common ground. We actually have much more in common than you realize. It's just that we we've acculturated things in a different fashion. And if we listen to each other, maybe we learn something. So UCN, thank you so much for that. And on top of that, Crystal Hoyer comes in with a thank you, Chris and Big Daddy Liberty. I hope the message reaches people across South Africa with a 500 rand super chat. Wow, thank you so much. Whoa. For that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a couple things I want to say here. So first off, when it comes to these farm killings, yeah, go back to Zimbabwe. When that was happening in 2000, now, of course, I was a serving officer, so I couldn't just run around on social media and talk about it. But I did work in embassies, and I did talk to people traveling across the continent. And I was actually in Zimbabwe when they were murdering farmers and farm workers in 2000. I was actually in Matabele land when it was happening, traveling through the country on my way to Matsvingo. It was crazy. Uh, and so what I said is what disturbs me is that the willing accomplices in the press, the Guardian, the New York Times, the Mail and Guardian, um, the, the Washington Post, all of these, the Spiegel, all of these willing accomplices in the press allowed Robert Gabriel Mugabe to frame this as a racial issue when it was not a racial issue. This was an issue about ZANU-PF and its governments. Is Big Daddy going away? Is he taking off? <laughs> Your mic is silent. Can't hear you, Mike. 
Sorry, okay. I just think there's, there's dogs. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> They're probably hungry. No, but but uh, <laughs> but what I what I said about then is what disturbed me is now I I, I felt the the horror for the, the the commercial white farmers in South Africa whose homes were attacked. And if you go back and look at it, it wasn't attacking it wasn't attacking farmers because they had land. Every single of the initial commercial farmers were attacked were either open members of the movement for democratic change or there were financial yes. backers, and that's why they were targeted. And people that have the inability to think critically and look at what was happening there. And beyond that, when they were murdering white farm workers, they killed 34 to 48, depending on what statistics and how you look at this. You're like, it must be on a timer. You're like, so yeah. when they were killing farmers like this, my argument was they killed over a thousand black farm workers in Zimbabwe and there was no press coverage of it. The only reason I know yeah. about it is because I was there and I talked to people and I got, you know, social, or, uh, you know, people contacting me and we find out about the press cover up. And in South Africa, the same thing. If South Africans would look at the rural insecurity issue as a South African issue and stop trying to moral equivalency, well, the whites are just complaining about genocide. No, people are complaining about the brutal nature of what's happening and the damage Absolutely. it does to the social fabric, not, not to mention the mental Absolutely. psyche of people in the rural areas. And it's all South Africans. It's all South Africans. That's what drives me nuts about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's just really ridiculous the way this stuff is framed. Uh, it's it's off the charts nonsense. So let me, um, let's see, there's something else here that... Um, I want to make sure we got there. Yeah, there was somebody that said something very nice earlier. I'm, I'll make sure I find it here about um, Johnny Clegg was mentioned. Here you go. So nostalgic by Naren, um, he said in his song, Asim Bonanga, Johnny Clegg asked the question, who has the words to close the distance between you and me? And uh, Nostalgic says, I believe Big Daddy Liberty may be just that guy. I think that's a very nice oh, compliment. Thank you. It's a very nice compliment. And then, Thank uh, you. and then, uh, Nezi Vildner, I have seen your comments, but I keep missing them because the chat's going so fast. And so this wasn't your best comment, but you had a really insightful one earlier, but Nezi Vildner says, talk to Michael Tellinger, big daddy. I don't know who Michael Tellinger is. Do you know who that is? No, uh, I guess we have to do some research and figure out who that is. <laughs> but one more thing, let me add this. And then, uh, we're coming up in an hour and, and 19 minutes and I don't want your battery to go flat. So we're probably going to cut it. Yeah. Around. Yeah. So we're going to cut it here in a few <laughs> minutes, but, but let me get this and then we'll get back to you for some final thoughts and we'll wrap up. And we just hit a peak for viewers again, by the way, thank you all so much. 240 viewers, super stickers, super chats, and a fantastic conversation. This has been a fun Sunday thus far. That's and we got, fantastic. and we got stray voltage coming at nine 35. I'll be back on for that. But, but this is what I want to say. And this is the, argument i've been making all along big daddy because expropriation already exists in section 25 of the south african constitution in the public interest the government can confiscate your well, they can take your land but they must fairly compensate you for it we have yeah. a similar system in the united states it's called eminent domain if we have to build a railroad right. or a bridge the government can take your land but they must complicate or that, a border wall that's right or a border wall that's right that's right where's my wall at anyway that's trump's one failure so <laughs> so um yeah so here we have that now that has been abused and it can be abused but there there's there's, yeah. there's a system in place to deal with it but in south africa if expropriation without compensation becomes the law of the land you need to read what expropriation is it's not about the land it's about property, and that's your bank account. That's right. That's that's that's, that's Big Daddy's right. truck right there. They could take away from that's the that's jewelry right. in your house. That's your handgun. That's your hunting rifle. That's your house. They can take any property they want, and they all have to say is so what, without compensating you. The reason they can't raise your pension funds now is because they have to compensate you fairly. If you steal a million rand from somebody's retirement account, you must give them one million rand. Well, once you that's don't have right. to, once you don't have to compensate them, then you can take the million rand, and there's no recourse. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This system will be used by the government of the day, whatever the government of the day is, to 
go after its political opponents. It will use as a tool That's for pressure. Right. If you have the tenacity or the temerity like Big Daddy Liberty does to speak up and speak out against ANC oppression, then guess what? They're going to come and threaten to take his farm or take his home or take his car or just take it so he shuts up. And that is the danger. That is totalitarianism, ladies and gentlemen. That is what the African Absolutely. National Congress is seeking to do. The same African National Congress that every single year that this nonsense bill was put in Parliament, they voted overwhelmingly not in favor of until they lost 15% of their party to the economic freedom fighters and they were scared and their party was increasingly unpopular. And then suddenly they're in favor of this nonsense. And that's what I want to say on that. So Big Daddy, a response on that and then we'll spot use on. some closing comments. No, you spot okay. on. I mean, there's there's nothing else to add except to say, um, when I talk about the mission of defending and fighting for life, liberty, and property, it's exactly that. It's the idea that every South African, regardless of who you are, is created by Hashem, but created by God on this planet, and you have a right to your life, to your liberty, and your property rights. And it is no, there should never be any politician, and we should never allow any politician, even if it is your favorite politician, to ever um, speak any form of politics into our into our ether, if you will, that infringes or even threatens life, liberty, and property. That is the ideas, or those are the ideas that I'll be defending. Those are the ideas I'll be advancing into communities across the country. And it is no to things like expropriation without compensation, which is essentially the theft of your property. And there's other ways in which the ANC is advancing a threat against your property rights. Uh, the national health insurance, which is essentially the nationalization of healthcare in this country, mm -hmm. would steal your property. It would steal any savings you have that are health-related, either a medical aid or whatever, and put it into the hands of politicians. We say no to that. You need to say no to a policy of prescribed assets, which is another ANC policy which suggests that they politicians should have the power to steal your pension so that they as politicians decide where the money gets invested, invariably into, into failed state enterprises like ESCOM and SAA, et cetera, et cetera. We say no to that. These are the things that I'm fighting against as I literally advance ideas of liberty into our communities. So maybe even as a final thought, let me end it there to say this. If you you believe in the values of literally fighting for and defending our faith as South Africans, whatever that particular denomination may be, I don't choose, but being a people of faith in this country, if you believe in defending the values of loving our flag as a country, recognizing that South Africa is not a natural country, it is various regions that have been being put together, we have different cultures, different um, uh, 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 customs, if you will, in our areas, but as at the very least, we defend one hopefully federal state um, in terms of my vision, then you literally are part of the BDL mission. If you believe in defending the family, whatever iteration it takes, but as a unit of where, you know, we're socializing young people, we're, we're, we're sharing our values, we're, we're loving people in these spaces. If you believe in defending that institution, you're with BDL. And lastly, if you believe in defending freedom, as the most important political value in our country, then you stand with BDL. So I have to say this, hashtag stand with BDL, join me on my liberty mission, get onto the liberty bus, and if I can quickly say it in here, if you want to support the BDL bus, if you want to support my ground war, the work that I'll be doing of traveling across this country advocating these ideas, find me on Patreon, and for as little as a single dollar a month, you can literally fund the liberty bus and help us change this country. 
That's amazing. Uh, thank you so much for that. Someone just asked if you would close with your, your catchphrase. I, I don't know what that is. What is that? Uh, I knew it was coming, and I knew it was coming, <laughs> and I must end it all by saying this. Never trust a comment. <laughs> well, uh, you know, that's not something I can dispute, to say the least. Listen, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Listen, um, not to boast, uh, but but I think to speak for both of us, I think this was everything that people were asking for. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed being a guest on the program. I got the impression you did. Hey, man, I had fun. Hopefully I'll have you on the show soon. And, um, yeah, man, we can continue the conversation there. Absolutely. We'll pick up on there. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, can I call you back right after the stream? Cause I'll, I'll drop you off now. Okay. Cause I don't want your battery to go flat, but I'll call you back in a few minutes. All right, folks. All right, cheers that's, everybody. That's been big daddy Liberty. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to say goodbye to him and God bless. Good luck, big daddy. Thanks a lot. All right, folks. Uh, that was big daddy Liberty. Uh, just dropped him off the line there. Uh, let me take a screen off. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in uh, this afternoon in South Africa, now evening, and here this morning on the East Coast of the United States. You've been watching uh, Chris White Africa on the Indaba Africa channel, um, and uh, that was my guest, Big Daddy Liberty. Uh, that was something people have been asking for for a very long time. What a great pleasure it was to finally have a conversation with him. I'm jazzed up. I don't know about you, but I'm all excited. I'm ready to rush out and register as a political candidate here in the United States to stand up for the nonsense against the nonsense that's taking place here. I'm not just excited about South Africa. I'm excited about the United States now based on this conversation. It was a distinct pleasure. What a nice gentleman. What a person who's got his head screwed on correctly. It's really, really wonderful. And I didn't even go into the topics I was going to ask about. How come this guy uh, believes in all the things he believes in? How did he get to this worldview? We'll do that on a future stream. Uh, we'll get him back on here. And he just invited me to his channel. So I will go on his channel as well. Let me do a little bit of housekeeping before we close out tonight. I want to say to folks, thank you so much. Uh, nobody joined, uh, became members. That's fine. But we're sitting at 48 members. The most recent ones were Chesney Thomas, Lee Lowe, and Doxon's Rule, which is a pretty cool name. They joined uh, recently. But thank you so much for the uh, super chats. We got a super chat from Kyle, uh, 35 Rand, saying, got, finally got Big Day Liberty on. Yes, we finally did. Herman Roos uh, sent a super chat asking about the cigarette ban. Herman, thanks. It's good to see you on the channel. UCN gave 100 Hong Kong dollars with a goal super sticker. Thank you so much for that. And then Christo gave a 500 Rand. Thank you, Chris, and be Big Daddy Liberty. I hope the message reaches people, as do I. Thank you so much for that, Christo. And Bosch Zubber gave a 14 Rand super chat with a thumbs up. Thank you guys all so much for the super chats. But more importantly, um, uh, thank you for supporting the channel. But thank you so much, so very, very much for tuning in for this stream. Uh, a lot of people asked for it for a long time, and and I wasn't annoyed by the questions, but since I didn't know Big Daddy Liberty and, and, and I couldn't reach him, uh, it was getting frustrating for me trying to meet your desires and also to make it happen. And now that it's finally happened, I'm absolutely thrilled with it. It was fantastic. Really good uh, conversation. Exciting guy. If you can support him in any way, if you'd like to, go check out his channel. The contact details for Big Daddy Liberty's channel are in the video below this in the comment sec or the, uh, the uh, description section. And uh, check out his channel. And I think that uh, earlier Hendo or somebody put, or maybe it was Joe Media, put in his Patreon page if you want to support him through Patreon and what he's trying to do. This is the message that folks need to get. And I, let me make a few comments here that people had. I don't want to miss these before we go. Um, let me see. Was it um, Quentin said, this discussion has given me hope for this country again. Just scared it might be too late to save it economically. Thanks, gents. Well, Quentin, uh, you're, you're most welcome. Um, yeah, there, there is reason to have hope. Um, the, the ANC does not have, a, not have a monolithic hold on South Africa's polity. And I think uh, Unate, Kwaza, Big Daddy Liberty, 
Phil Craig from the Cape Independence uh, Advocacy Group, uh, folks like this uh, are not under the grip and grin of the African National Congress. And uh, it's a shame that I have to say this. There was a time in which um, I, I said very positive things about the African National Congress in many respects. Not all. I mean, I never give any party full endorsement because I don't trust politicians. <laughs> so I guess I better never become one. But um, yeah, I, I think it's really important that uh, people realize that um, if you talk to people, you share your thoughts, you get the message out there, that you have the chance to change people in their minds. Uh, Hank Klopper says, this stream was worth the wait. Well, thank you, Hank. I thought so too. And Doc Breaker says, well done, great show. Well, thank you, Doc Breaker, very much. Um, and then let's see, Notorious G says, Big Daddy Liberty, we know farm workers being murdered. That's why it's so horrendous. Unfortunately, the increase in attacks and murders Oh, they've increased. Yeah, there, there, there was a big thing in April. Uh, Moira Janssen von Rendsburg, awesome stream. Thank you, Chris. You're most welcome, Moira. Thank you for coming and tuning in. And uh, this is, uh, it's been quite an exciting stream. I've really enjoyed this one. We'll get Big Daddy Liberty back on here again sometime soon. And he's inviting me to his channel. I look forward to that. Hendo has just put in Big Daddy Liberty. Oh, Sarah, uh, Sonia Bernard, is, Bernard has just become a member of the site. Thank you so much for that. That gets me to 49 members of Chris White Africa, just one short of the goal I was shooting for. And of course, once we get to that goal, I'll shoot for a higher goal. But thank you so much for that support. Really appreciate it. Vili Fermak says, also a book written uh, about witchcraft and murder in Zimbabwe. That sounds interesting. Um, uh, Sonia says, I'm glad I found this stream. Uh, thank you for this. Well, I'm glad you found it, Sonia. And how did you find it? Um, I'm curious how people find it because the way that YouTube promotes things, the way the word gets around, it's always interesting. I know that that when I appear on another person's channel, like when I went on Ronaldo Host's channel, when I went on um, Morning Shot or, or Renegade Report with, uh, with um, Roman Kabanek and his buddy there, uh, when I've gone on other channels, um, it brings some subscribers over who we get introduced to the channel. But some folks find it just because it pops up on their YouTube channel and go, oh, this is related to what you're talking about. So I'm just curious. Anyway, well, thank you all. Nezzy's taking off. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to close here in just a second. We're one hour and 30 minutes. Got a lot of people tuned in. Uh, Tina Cook says, woohoo, Chris. Best show, best guest. No, it was fantastic. He was great. Uh, but like I said, Big Daddy Liberty and Chris Wyatt, we're oxygen thieves, man. But you know what? I think both of us know that. We know when we have to finally, you know, give someone else a chance to talk. My point is that that's not a criticism. That's just saying that we both, we can talk, we can talk, we can talk without even breathing. And we take all the oxygen out of the room. But if you take all the oxygen out of the room, then everybody else passes out because they don't get enough. So you have to learn how to modulate that. And um, anyway, so I think we both can do that pretty well. Leanne Prentice, awesome. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, he is such a lovely guy. Nice guy. And what a cool name, Big Daddy Liberty. And he's a big guy too, so it makes sense. Never trust a commie. And I think that's a great, great comment. Sean says, great show, Chris. You guys are saying really nice things here. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sonia Barnard, for becoming a member of the of the team. Really happy to have you on there as a recruit team member. Thank you so much for that. Get you online, Lynn. Thank you. Um, yeah, Jaji Stam says, uh, you're both passionate. I think we are. And I think, ladies and gentlemen, the key point here that you can take from this, really important point. I mean, you take a lot of useful things from this conversation today. But I think you really need to take this point that both Big Daddy made and I echoed. It's a point I've been making for going on three decades. As a political party, as a political movement, you can't just rock up when it's time for an election. You have to sell your ideas, your vision to people every day. You have to be out among people. If you're the Democratic Alliance or the Freedom Front Plus or COPE or the uh, Incata Freedom Party, you must be out amongst people. And no, not giving them pack care packages and food and things like that. That might be part of what you do if for people who are less fortunate or don't have resources. But what you do is you win the battle of ideas. You share your ideas. You talk about the things that Big Daddy Liberty and I talked about today. And that's how you convince people about the right path. 
And then once you have political power, you fix the broken system. The system has been destroyed and undermined by leftists around the world. Yep, that's what you do. And that's what I want to leave you all with tonight. So uh, Big Daddy Liberty, fantastic guest. Really, really enjoyed it. I will be back on later for those who are still up. <laughs> it's your late night viewing in South Africa and in Botswana and Namibia. I'll be back on at 935, 2135 for those in uniform like myself, the soldier. We go by that time, 24-hour clock. So 2135 tonight, I'll be doing the straight voltage post. Uh, well, it's not really the post uh, Big Daddy Liberty, but I'll be talking a lot about this conversation later, answering your questions in more depth if you have them. Also, we didn't get around to this Big Daddy Liberty and I, but listen, when you talk about hope for Africa, look no further than the warm heart of Africa, ladies and gentlemen. In Malawi, in an election that took place in May of 2019, which was fraudulent, the Constitutional Court determined that that was fraudulent and there needed to be a new election. The new election took place despite the efforts Oh, Anthea Weber just subscribed. Well, thank you so much for subscribing to the channel, Anthea. Really appreciate that. Love seeing the zombie climbing up the Mahalisberg. I love it. But um, the warm heart of Africa, Malawi. Oh, and, and Carlisle Breen just subscribed. Thank you so much for becoming subscribers. I appreciate that so much. We passed the 4,000 subscriber point this week. Really excited about that. Let's push on for 4,500 or 5,000. Make a bigger community and talk about things that matter to people around the world. But really, Malawi, the warm heart of Africa, just had an election, peaceful election, and the sitting president who was anti-democratic and made several efforts to undermine democracy, including removing the chief justice of the Supreme Court, has lost the election in a legitimate election and a coalition government coming in under Lazarus Chikwewa has just won. He has been sworn in as president of Malawi. There's your hope for Africa, a country that has virtually no resources that no one cares about and on the fringes of the dark continent, nonetheless has a democratic tradition and it does its best to have uphold a democracy. So ladies and gentlemen, there is hope for Africa. Uh, there's hope for the whole world, despite the tyrants and petty dictators that are ruling us, whether they're the governors of New York or the, the state of Washington or mayors of Washington, D.C. or New York or Seattle, or it's elected officials in South Africa, in the Congo, wherever you might find yourself and you feel oppressed by governments. Stand up for your liberty. Stand up for your rights. Be proud. And don't apologize for who you are. As long as you're an honest, hardworking person, who follows the rules and cares about other people. That's what matters. Look at a whole stream of people joining the channel. Uh, thank you so much, Susan. Bonata has just uh, subscribed to the channel. Thank you so much for that. Get that get that zombie rolling across the Mahalisburg. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and close right here, although it looks like a lot of people want to stay. I don't, I don't want to, should I stay a little bit longer or close? I think it's time to close because this was really about Big Daddy Liberty as a special feature. But um, I'm going to go ahead and close. I want to thank you all so much. Um, yeah, and you're welcome, John Van Eden. Uh, for those who watch my channel, it's not about South Africa. South Africa is something that I talk about a lot on the channel, especially on my Stray Voltage and with some of my guests. But I talk about all of Africa. We've had many uh, special features on here, including talking about the debt issue in Africa and dispelling the Chinese debt trap, although there is some legitimacy to it, but it's not some massive plan. So we talk about that with Comey Clue. I've talked about investing in Africa with Toyin Umusemri. I've talked about being uh, about Afrikaans culture and Afrikaner culture and, and Boer culture with uh, with Rene Kruger, who is a Bormaisi. I've had Willem Petz on here talking about political issues. Uh, I've also talked with uh, Jeff Rodriguez about rebuilding the armed forces of Liberia. Lots of different things. So we talk about Africa. We talk about geostrategic issues on this channel. And you're welcome to join us here. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for, oh, so Sean says we're amped up to do a 24-hour show. <laughs> we talked about it last night. We did a three-and-a-half-hour stream. We're not going to do that right now because we're going to get back later. I'm going to go get something to eat here shortly. And I really, seriously, folks, um, this stuff only works if people watch it. And it only you only watch it if you find some value to it. And more importantly, 
people who um, are able to and all find value to it and are able to also become members of the channel. And we got about 50 members right now. So thank you so much for that and reaching close to 4,100 subscribers. Thank you all so much for that. If you're Big Daddy Liberty followers and you've come to this channel, my profuse thanks for joining us to find out what this channel is about. I hope you enjoyed it. And for those who are regulars, the usual suspects, those of us who are always hunting for Kaiser Sose, we're yet to find him, uh, <laughs> but we're still